Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Corridor of Uncertainty podcast. I am Luke. As always, I'm joined by Ben. Yo. Hello. Um, and today we are joined by another guest on the Corridor of Uncertainty podcast. We were talking about Tottenham recently on the podcast. We wanted to see what the Tottenham fans were thinking going into this new era of Tottenham. So we've gone out and got the best Tottenham fan around. Um, George, hello. How are you? Introduce yourself. Um. Hello, I'm George. Uh, thank you for having me on um, on your podcast. Um, so well, I, we've been following George for a while. He's um, been our Spurs fan on our, what was it, Premier League prediction for last season. Um, I can't yeah. remember. How, you, how did you do? Where did you finish? I can't remember where I put you. I think I was like joint third. Right. I did all right. Good effort. Better than Spurs. So, you know, can't complain. <laughs> um so, yeah, George's got a blog. Do you want to tell us a bit about the blog? Why did you start the blog? Um, and, yeah, just a bit about that. Yeah, so um, my blog is called The Ridge Report. And um, I started it earlier on this year because um, I'd quite like to, at some point in the future, maybe go on and become a, a sports writer or a sports journalist. And I thought it was um, a good way to test myself. I think I'm quite... I'm fairly decent when it comes to speaking about my content um, and uh, I've made videos in the past for stuff. I want to challenge myself a bit and my writing's not as strong as I'd like it to be. So I thought this was a good way to like get into the groove, improve stuff and also gives me a better track record if at some point I go for a, um, like a, a, a proper job in the industry, I guess. So um, yeah, I'm just obviously passionate about football that's why I'm on on the podcast and um yeah obviously any opportunity to talk about Tottenham I'm I'm all for it so I like it yeah because I, I was I was having a read I was doing some post Coglu research so I, I went to your blog for that um I, I, yeah I really enjoyed it so not, not that my blog um awarding skills are or anything to go by but I, I enjoyed it so you should definitely check that out um and that is what today's all about it's going to be about Tottenham um, we're going to be diving into it. We were talking on the podcast, like I said, last week, um, and there's just a fair few unknowns. So um, there is a, other fans of other clubs who want to get on um, before the season starts. I think Luton's one I'd really like to talk about because we just have no idea what they're thinking. Um, but first, as always, as Ben is a Liverpool fan, I'm a QPR fan. Um, have you got any memories of this, those games? I mean, I guess the QPR one's less so. But um, any there must be some cracking Liverpool games that spring to mind. I mean, the Tottenham Liverpool fixture, I feel like is a very um, it's a bit of a cursed fixture. I f- I feel like a lot of the time Tottenham do really well against them, and then they just they they just don't get the result. Like Champions League final is obviously the most obvious. Um, well, you didn't quite... do very well in that game, though. <laughs> well, statistically we did, but um, obviously giving away a penalty in the first minute is not the way to start. So no, yeah. not really what you want. No, it gave it made a, a bit of an uphill battle. So um, and yeah, you give you give that, that Liverpool team was yeah, this is it. Like you give that Liverpool team the lead, then they they're not giving it up. So. Um, yeah, so there's that, but um, in terms of like favorite memory, it's probably probably has to be the Victor Wanyama volley. Okay. Um, go. that was yeah, a, a cracker. Two-all I think also, it was, yeah, two all because Kane scored the other one, and that was his 100th goal in the Premier League. Um, so he's doing all right now, isn't he, as well? So, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just, just a little bit. We'll get to him. I, I surprised they didn't go for the game where you were 4-0 up in the first half and they pulled Lovren off in like the 38th minute or something because of how pants he was. I remember that one. That was that was a good game as well. And uh, Kane again in that one scored a really nice goal where he, I think he flicked it over someone's head. Um, but yeah, probably. But yeah, no that 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 was that was when Spurs were. Um, like obviously actually quite good. good. Um yeah, so <laughs> um but you know, 
future's positive. Um, I did. I did really try to think of a, a Tottenham QPR memory, um, but I don't. There hasn't been that many fixtures. No. But the one thing I that I did sort of remember was um, obviously um, Adel Tarat, who is um, just one of those players that's just always good to watch. He obviously played for for both teams. Um, And then I actually had a look to see um, if there are any other players. And like the list of players that play for both Tottenham and QPR is actually, it's a lot, but they're also quite impressive names. Like you're looking at um, Les Ferdinand, Clive Allen, Carl Walker, yeah. Um, And Ross Townsend. Peter Crouch. Yeah, Townsend is one. um, Jimmy yeah, yeah, Sandro, great count, man. Oh, Sandro as well is also, yeah. And then obviously, um, Nico Cranchar. Yeah. That's because we both had uh, Harry Redknapp as manager. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, a really good list and actually quite a good, um, good like connection between the two two clubs. Yeah. So, oh, and uh, Jack Clark as well, actually, just to, email. oh, yes, that's also true. Yeah. There's, there's a bunch of actually youngsters as well because I think Luke Amos yeah. and Stephen. Corker, yeah, played for both. Plenty, so, yeah. Go on, Ben. What's your favourite Liverpool Spurs memory? Get it over with. <laughs> um, I feel like, like you said, you've been the team that have been cursed more in recent time. So maybe I'll go for the lockdown game, where it was like one of the first games that had fans back. I think. And it was a 90th minute winner from Firmino, I think. That was quite a good game. That was 2-1, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that's what I've got in my head. I think you even scored first, actually. They did. And then Steven Bergwijn hit the post on a 1v1. And um, I think if he did... Honestly, I think that was like turning point moment for Mourinho's Tottenham. I think if that goes in, Bergwijn gains confidence and... um, Spurs kick on, it doesn't, and then obviously Liverpool punish them. So, yeah, yeah. And then I think there was a game last season as well. It might have even been early this year. I can't even remember. Where you scored first again, in like the first minute, and we pulled it back. So we always seem to do all right against Tottenham. After, yes. like you say, looking like you're doing all right. Although <laughs> I can't get on the board with the Champions League final comment. I can't lie. I thought we were we were. I'm just. We um, were, uh, I'm gonna be honest. Like, like, I'm gonna be honest. I don't remember the Champions League final that much, and I, for obvious reasons, haven't gone back and watched the highlights, and I, I don't oh, think wow. I ever will. Um, but from what I remember, like statistically, I feel like Spurs had something like sixty-five percent possession. They had more shots. Um, they just couldn't couldn't get the ball over the line. Um, Feel free to to fact fact check me. No, no, I, I don't. I don't. I mean, to be honest, it's well remembered as the most boring Champions League final in recent time. <laughs> For a reason, it was a very boring Champions League final. Um, but you know, it was the one that we won, and we've been in three as of late, and it was the one we won. So I'm going to remember that. <laughs> Divo bonus. Yeah, it was a good good goal from him as well. And yeah, t- to be fair, like it doesn't matter if you dominate the possession of the shots. Like Liverpool dominated the one stat that mattered. So yeah. <laughs> okay then. Was that the game? Sorry, was that the game where Van Dyke had Son and Sizoko? And that's the one where everybody's like always praising him for when he's like, Oh, he knew that Son had to pass it to Sizoko and he knew Sizoko would miss. I know the clip you're on about. That... I don't know if that was the final. I don't I feel like it would be even bigger if that was the final. I don't think that was the final. But I could be wrong. I can't remember. Um, I did have one QPR Spurs memory. I think Adil Tarap, talking about him, he scored a free kick and then got sent off in a 1 0 win for QPR against Tom. That did happen. <laughs> that oh, okay. That's cool. Um, I think he got time. I think he got sent off with kicking the ball away in the end, actually. Um, that was his second yellow. 
Um, right, then, let's get into this new era of Spurs. I personally, before we put it to the expert, I'm very excited about this Tottenham era. However, I don't know if you saw last season, George, I did predict Tottenham to win the Premier League. <laughs> oh, so, okay. Yes, that actually cost me, in the end, £30 on a shirt that I had to buy for somebody else. Um, and my reputation, if, if I had any, of, of being able to correctly protect football um he's out the window um but yeah. <laughs> I, i'm quite excited because i just think it's a it's a change it's a positive change um i think i, I just feel like they, they haven't got fo- champions league football to contend with. it might be a season of transition but even still it's not going to get worse so it's just a season to build i think we'll get to kane later but i think he'll still be there and if you've got that you just that means Postacoglu can fix everything else and then worry about the striker next season because right now he knows he's got someone to score goals. But anyway, uh, Ben, go on. What's your initial assessment of, of the Postacoglu before we, we hit, it, hit it, send it to George and he can tell us all about it and how the fans feel? Um, I am kind of agree with you in one way, but I was basically thinking it's going to go one way or the other, which sounds really obvious, but you're either going to push on maybe maybe get Champions League, probably end up with some sort of European tournament, or you're going to drop off even more, in my opinion. Um, I think whatever Postacoglu does, he's got a lot of rebuilding to do to start with, and whether or not that entirely changes his tactics, where he, you know, he sort of ditches the three at the back, or or finds you... Either way, he's got to get a lot of players in, for me, to be honest. I think Kane, obviously, is a great player, but and have you actually signed Raya yet? Is that confirmed? No, that's not happening. No. Not gonna happen. That's not happening at all now. No, um, they oh. have actually signed a different goalkeeper. Italian chap that I've never heard of. Uh, yeah, um, I can't say his first name. Um, it's like Guillermo Vicario. Um, he's the Empoli goalkeeper. Um he, um, I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't know he existed about five days ago. Um, no. But I'm already sold. So um, he was wanted by Bayern Munich in um, January when Neuer broke his leg. Um, Inter Milan wanted to sell Onano, uh, Onano and buy him as uh, the replacement. And um, Juventus were also eyeing him up. Um, and I think um, Opta put out a thing earlier that said that they um, he was second for most saves um, in the top five leagues over the last two years. So, well, we'll get to chances. Not get first one job done. He, he, I mean, it can't get much worse than Larissa's tail into last season, really, or the whole of it, really. Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Postacoglu, George, how are the fans feeling? First of all, when he first came in, cause it was like a bit of a dra- it dragged on a while before anybody came in. And then now, what, how, yeah, how is everyone, how is everyone looking at it? Okay, so obviously, initially when he came in, the hunt for a new manager, um, it went on for 72 days in the end, which is exactly how long it took um when they went from Mourinho to Nuno so they they matched their own record for the longest time without a manager so they've done that twice in two years uh two years now um obviously he wasn't the first choice like the fans know that Postacoglu himself knows that obviously um we went in for Julian Nagelsmann uh, when Bayern like severed their ties with him um for whatever reason that didn't work out um, Arnie Schlott was then next. Um, that one seemed r- like it was going to get done um, as well. And then it almost turns out that he used Tottenham's interest to negotiate himself a new contract. So he's staying at um, staying at Feyenoord. Um, I think like there was also the interest in like... Um, Roberto to Zerbi, but he doesn't seem like he wanted to leave Brighton. There's nothing concrete there, just interest. And the same for um, Vincent Company, but he signed uh, a new deal with Burnley. So the options were obviously 
becoming a lot thinner and then um, fell out Ange Postacoglu, who I think a lot of people had not heard of before. Um, I was sort of, I was aware of his existence. Um, I knew he played a similar brand to um, Arnie Schlott. I had my own like list of managers and how I was ranking them. Postacoglu was just above Arnie Schlott on the list. So when it got announced I was that we were interested, I was quite happy with it. A lot of Spurs fans were not. The ones that were, interestingly, were the ones that were quite tactically knowledgeable people that actually then made me more excited because I was thinking if those, those people know a lot more about tactics than me and they're excited, then that has to be a positive thing. Now that he's had a bit of time to bed in, I think a lot more people are happy about it. A lot more people are starting to know who he is. Um, and a lot of people are going to get behind him at least at the start of the season. So generally, I would say it's a positive um, atmosphere right now. Um, obviously, like for some people, there are concerns about um, sort of the level of uh, Scottish football. But something that a lot of Celtic fans have said is that um, obviously that this is like the eighth time they've won the treble. Um, so it doesn't sound that impressive, but um, they themselves have compared it. And so there's nothing like the, the dark ages or the dark times uh, with Neil Lennon or um, Brendan Rogers and like, they just they absolutely adore him, which again just makes me even more excited for um what's coming up, basically. Yeah, it's definitely more of a clean break than, than the Rogers one and now they've ended up back with him again. Uh, yeah. but yeah, it looks I mean, yeah, it's, everyone's on the fence. I mean, this is well, not really a similar situation, but QPR like going into the next season where the first month really need like can set it. I mean, I think I'd say Spurs are probably more positive, like they, they have given time, but the first month, if you can kind of set the tone, then you kind of buy yourself a bit of a bit of time. Then, but if he can, if he can show what he's about in that first, those first few fixes, a tough a couple in there. I think Brentford's one of them. I can't yeah. Um, Brent, Brentford on the opening day. Um, we have Man United as the first home game as the second fixture. Three of the first four are away fixtures. And Arsenal and Liverpool are within the first seven, so it's it really isn't a um, an easy start. But I don't think he necessarily has to win them in order to keep fans on side. I think they just have to see yeah, exactly. change and positivity. And I think if they see um, an attractive brand of football, which is um, I'll get into in a minute, but that's what he offers. Um, I think he'll do enough to to keep fans on side, even if results don't go his way. Yeah, yeah, I think exactly the same. Um, so go on, now, a style of play is obviously it's going to be a massive, massive shift. Like Ben said, for free, I, I guess, is likely to be gone. Um, so without, without getting into the players, what kind, what should we expect to see, um, like formation-wise and, and how, how the positions are going to work out? Okay, so... Postacoglu is, um, he's actually a, a manager that's very set in his ways, right? In, in a sense of he he has a style that he wants to play and he won't alter it, um, which I know is a concern for like Conte. That's exactly the same sort of um, problem that we've had with him. He was just constantly playing the three back. But... Um, in terms of Postcoglu, I see this more as a, as a positive, especially in the early games, because he's going to try and embed this style um, into the players, and that even if that means forcing it on them. Um, he has played a 4-3-3 pretty much everywhere he's gone. He did try a three-back for Australia, but um, his last two uh, clubs, he's played a 4-3-3. Um, it in transition, when they get into settled possession, goes into more of a 2-3-5 shape. So it's the same sort of shapes that you see 
Um, Pep Guardiola moving Man City into uh, Arteta with Arsenal, Vincent Company with Burnley, Roberto De Zerbi with Brighton, and Eric Ten Hag with Man United. It's a very modern style of football, um, which I find a little bit. It's a little bit surprising considering um, compared to all those managers, he's on the um, older end of the scale. Um, but he does adapt his football to be as modern as as uh, possible, and he. Um, yeah, keeps it. He keeps. He tries to keep up to date with the the trends, but this is something that he has been doing for a while. Um, so yeah, it's an an incredibly attacking shape. It's the complete opposite of uh, Conte. He's very rigid and want to be defensively secure. Um, this is all front foot football. The advantage of having the inverted fullbacks um, means that when you're in possession, you create quite a solid structure in the centre of the pitch. It means if you give away the ball, which is highly likely with um, his tactics, because he wants his players to play dangerous, risky passes, um, having the inverted fullbacks in the centre of the pitch allows them to uh, quickly snap on the ball, win it back quickly and regain possession. So it's, yeah, the complete opposite to um, what we have currently. Yeah, I think, What? how do you think... Because obviously you've had three pretty defensive-minded coaches on the bounce. Um, how easy is it for for him to go in? He's obviously got a pre-season. He'll have his plans of the players to get rid of and get in. But some of those players he's going to have to fix. How easy is it going to be for him to change the culture from from what it has been for a considerable amount of time, even if it's been under different managers, there's been different styles within them. But on the whole... Um, how easy is it going to be for him to like completely shift that in the other direction? But one of the positives and one of the things I really like about him, if if anything, it's the thing that I like the most about him is his man management skills. Um, he just has a way of dealing with um, the players that just seems to um, be the perfect balance of remaining professional, but it just so many people have turned around and said he's the best manager that they've ever worked under. Um, he keeps himself um, quite distant from the players outside of um, outside of training and sessions and stuff. Um, a lot of players will say that they've never had a conversation that's lasted with him longer than a minute. Um, and I know that sounds kind of crazy, but um, it allows them to keep this, uh, this very like professional relationship and he allows the players to do um do what they want in their own spare time and then yeah and um because of the, the way that with like yeah. son being son falling off a cliff richarlison wasn't great at all does it they not need a bit more nurturing do you think i think they've had that with Mourinho and conte and i don't think um it's necessarily like once I've had a lot of the players have fantastic relationships with Mourinho. Um, and I, a lot of players were very sad to see him depart. I think things have gone they were very sad with Conte because I don't think anybody posted a, 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 a farewell message. Um, they were flooding in from everyone when Mourinho left, but um, Conte has gone the, the other way. Um, but I think the, the thing with Postacoglu as well is that um, it's just he's an incredible motivator. He knows how to roll up his teams. He's very demanding in in training, and it just allows him to get the best out of um, out of the players. And I think the players appreciate that. He always has their back um, in terms of games. There was a there was a I was reading something from his his book the other day. Um, he was talking about when he was at uh, Brisbane Raw and they played top of the league. Um, it was one of the Melbourne teams. And in that game, because um, one of the stars, one of the things he does is he likes his teams to pass out from the back um, with the defenders. The defender had the ball, tried to play out exactly the way he was asking his teams to play out, he gave away the ball and uh, the team went on and scored. Then literally three minutes later, the same defender has the ball and he could have been forgiven for trying to boot the ball up the pitch, like 
a player long, but he still tried to do exactly what Postecoglou was asking for. He gave away the ball again, and they scored again. And they all thought they were going to get uh, a bit of a bollock in when they go into the the dressing room, and instead he praised them, and he was just telling them how proud he was that they were they were playing his style. And he sort of the player sort of said that sort of freed them from results. They they weren't concerned about if they were winning or losing. They were just concerned about if they were playing well. Um, and that then led them to go on a, I think it was a 36-game unbeaten streak. They won a, went on to win the league. It's the longest record in Australian football, and it still is. Um, and just that sort of effect that he has on his teams to be able to get the best out of them, um, I think that that is exactly what Tottenham need right now. Yes, so you mentioned, um, obviously, the, the style's going to change. Um, and even like in, that, for, in the Australian League, the passing out from the back, the risky passes as well, you said. That's great, but obviously, Tottenham have got a habit of playing risky passes accidentally um, at the moment. <laughs> the likes of Eric Dyer, Davison Sanchez. There's going to have to be a lot of that patience if those players are around. Is there any of those players that you think are, one, players that maybe have not been involved um, recently under the last few managers are going to come in and thrive? Or is there any of those players where are just, are just going to improve a lot through just like patience of the manager? And is there any of those players that he's just going to look at them once and think it's just not going to work for me and, and we're going to, should see them off in the window? Well, the defence is definitely a major area for concern. Um, in terms of centre-backs, honestly, Romero is the only one that is any good. Um, I listened to I listened to your last your last podcast, and um, you you mentioned how you didn't like Romero very much um, because he I love like Romero. Yeah, I, I heard you did, but um, yeah, I also you said like he sort of doesn't doesn't stay on his feet, and makes a lot of rash tackles, that sort of thing. And honestly, I think part of that. Is just due to the fact he doesn't have the support around him. He's the only one. Like if 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 you could clone him, and you could have another Romero next to him, he'd be fine. Like he wouldn't pick up anywhere near as many yellows. Um, I think like ever Romero would pick them all up. <laughs> but the, the thing is, like, so like when we played Man City earlier on um, in the in the season last year, so. It was one nil. He made a rash challenge on Haaland, like in like the twentieth minute, in the middle of man, in the middle of midfield. Absolutely, like no, no need for it. But it did sort of knock the wind out of Haaland. It scared him off a bit. But then that meant later on in the game, when it had uh, Jack Grealish running through, he had to commit to this challenge um, on the side of the pitch, and he knew that if he didn't go for it, they were through on goal. He mistimed it. And then I got him a second yellow and he was off. Thankfully, Spurs held on. But it's things like that where I think if he knew he had somebody next to him that could do the job properly, he wouldn't be making such just silly tackles or what appear to be silly yeah. tackles. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a bunch See, of... I think a bunch Romero of... has dropped off, though, since like the World Cup. Like I think a lot of people probably saw Romero properly for the first time at the World Cup and realised, though, he's quite good because he did play in a back four as well for Argentina. Obviously went on to win the tournament and was probably the outstanding defender in the Argentina team. I don't know, Otamendi was good, but I think people saw how good Romero was. And then you see him back at Tottenham where you'd think it would be easier to play, where you, know, you can choose who plays more, you can sign players for big money, especially being a top six team at the time. And now I've been less impressed with him at Tottenham. I mean, I think Otamendi is a better centre-back than any of the other defenders we have at the club. But I I get, obviously, the advantage Tottenham is that they should be able to spend money. They they didn't last summer. um, We were linked with Bastoni, um, didn't get him. We were linked with Gavardio, didn't get him. We're definitely not getting either of them this year. Um, 
sort of just a, a missed opportunity. I think if one if you you actually spend the money and one of them comes in, it's a it's a completely different season. Um, that's why I think if if they sort out the defense and they get somebody else in to go alongside him, um, we'll, we'll look a little bit more secure. Um, the the reports flying around at the minute. Um, I've seen um, Alistair Gold from uh, Football London. It's a pretty, it's a very reputable Tottenham journalist. He's um, said a number of times that Spurs are probably bringing in about at least two centre backs. So um, hopefully that'll solve our, our issues. But it doesn't just stop with the defence because obviously, um, well, been been built a team that plays three at the back. And they want to move to four at the back, and we've got wing backs, and it's a complete opposite idea to playing to playing full backs. Um, so there's questions about whether Poro, Spence, Emerson, Udoji, Sessegnon, I mean Regulon's still technically on the books, whether any of those could play inverted. Um, and then yeah, midfield is an issue as well. Don't quite have the players to play the the roles you'd want to play. So it's a bit of a mess and it doesn't suit Postacoglu's style. Um, so it's going to be very difficult. There's going to have to be a lot of sales this summer um, and there's going to have to be a lot of uh, transfers in. Um, but there are players like um, on Don Bellet. Pardon? I'd, we'll probably get onto it in a minute, like transfers in like specific players. But if you could sign a position, if you could sign two players in a position, so like a centre, if you had to choose a centre back or a centre mid or whatever, where would you be choosing? If you had to sign two. Uh, yeah, probably, probably one centre back and one midfielder. So, yeah. do you want do you want examples? Like, yeah, give us some names. Was and uh, Dombele? Come on, was is he is he gonna is he gonna come back and uh, wow. I've uh, <laughs> he's, he's got I think... an unbelievable highlight reel, but um, can't make ninety minutes like the majority of the time. Yes, fitness is a massive issue. I think um, Dombele is sort of he could play sort of number eight, number 10 hybrid role that he are at Pittsburgh asked his um, players to play. But yeah, fitness is a concern. I I think the Celso would also play it really well, but I just, he doesn't want to stay at, doesn't want to stay, I don't think. I, he's probably our best midfielder other than Ben Zanker. So um, it's going to be a shame to lose him, but if he doesn't want to stay, then you can't, can't force him. He's one of the few players that actually holds value. So sort of might as well take what we can get, I guess. Um, I do think there'll be like one surprising player somewhere um, that no one's expecting to do well, that will do well. He just has that, um, Pascal just has that ability to um, bring the best out of people. It, it, it may well be someone like Davison Sanchez, just because of like um, what he did with uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers at Celtic or Spurs had him for like eight years he went out on loan basically every year um went out on loan to celtic they loved him they bought him for like i think it was eight million and he's played that role perfectly and tottenham didn't think he'd ever be um premier league quality and now it's almost like well, when is a premier league team going to come in for him not if so um yeah there'll be someone that's a surprise for sure if you're if you're lining up then so we'll get we'll get to transfers after this. If you're lining up right now, free free transfers. Um, so who do you think he's going to take a take a liking to? If you if you're going to put an eleven out there now and you've got to just deal with what you've got, what would he what would he do? I mean, okay, so I think do you want, do you want a full eleven or? So, well, just do like the, the so the back the back four is going to be a, a deep, like a bit tricky, but he's going to have to keep some of those guys around. So some of them are going to play a part. So who is going to be the best option? Who's going to get those minutes at fullback? Um, is Jed Spence going to turn his 
turn his Tottenham career around. I read report that he wants to come back uh, and turn it around. Whether that's reliable or not is a separate question. Um, the midfields are kind of irrelevant because I feel like that's that's going to be all change. Um, but yeah, just mainly that defence. How if you've got to shape it up right now, who's going to have to put his faith in? Um, I think um, Destiny Odoji, who's coming back from being on loan at Udinese, we bought him last summer and then loaned him straight back out. Um, I think he is, um, he has the potential, and I say he's, he's like he's malleable enough that he could be adapted to play the um, the inverted wing back role. He looks good on the ball, he hasn't, it's like. There's a lot of highlights of him for Udinese coming in on his uh, weaker foot and scoring goals from outside the box. Um, so I think he has the potential to be the inverted uh, wing back. I also think Ben Davis. Um, he's one of those players that sort of gets lumped in with um, uh, the failed players of like, yeah, Eric Dyer and stuff because he's been at the club like nine years. But I think Ben Davis is a very useful squad player and he's not exceptional at anything that he does but he does a lot of things really well so he's not for me he's not a problem yeah well every, every manager's come in has, has kept him around so as much as if he's in if he's in the team mate it's like if he's starting and he's first choice you're like maybe there's a maybe there's a problem here because but if he's if he's in and around the dressing room he's like a great player to have because he can do a bit of everything yeah, he's, he's, he can play centre back. He can play uh, in a back in a back four or a back three. He can play wing back. He can play. Yeah, he's he's versatile, which makes him useful. Um, I think the right hand side is where it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit more difficult because Pedro Porro, who we spent forty seven million pounds on in in the summer, is definitely a wing back. Um, I feel like he's probably going to get repurposed as a right winger, um, which is kind of what Ryan Mason was doing towards the end of last season. Um, he was sort of playing this 3-4-3, which in defence transitioned into a 4-4-2. So Porro was sort of playing this sort of like uh, right winger, right wing back hybrid position. And he looked really good and he got a bunch of assists and a, a goal as well. So and he took it, the, the finish quite quite nicely as well so he could be repurposed um emerson has played slightly more inverted in the past he does look good at passing um tackling is one of his strong suits he has nothing going forward that's his issue um and i haven't seen enough of dead dispense honestly to to really give you anything about him he i think he played like 20 minutes for spurs and then he went out alone to um, to start Ren, and he didn't really play there either because he was covering for their captain who was injured. And as soon as he came back, um, obviously, Dead Spence dropped to the bench. So, yeah, I think he maybe has the potential to do it, but that that remains to be seen. I'd like to see him stick around, but um, yeah. All right, right, let's get into the transfers then. Um, Can I just ask one question about that before the transfers? And it probably doesn't fit so much, but I just wanted to find out. It's something I really wanted to ask. What is, as a Tottenham fan, what is your genuine opinion on Daniel Levy? It's a really, well, it's a very con- controversial. I don't know. It's a hot topic at the minute, for sure. Yeah, for sure, it's controversial because there's lots of differing opinions. I'm sort of the the mindset of. Um, He's not like any other chairman in the sense that um, there's nothing I can do. Like he owns the club, so there's yeah. there's no there's not really anything you can do to make him leave. So sort of are stuck with him until he decides he can't make any more money out of Tottenham, and then it becomes more financially beneficial to sell him. Um, he's looking at something like four billion to sell Tottenham. Um, someone will pay that eventually, but um, for the moment, we're stuck with him. It's a bit of a... Uh, everything like you're stuck with him. Pitch, yeah, stuck with him. He's done a lot. He has done a lot of good things. Like, he... 
obviously the stadium is fantastic the training ground is incredible but as so he's sort of given us the stability where um unlike Aston Villa who dropped off and uh, Everton that are you know towards the bottom of the Premier League like he's almost given Tottenham the stability that realistically I don't a trophy that's obviously the main thing um and yeah as Pochettino said like you can have a very nice uh house but there's no point if you haven't got any furniture um and the yeah the quality of players has not been um up to par and recruitment has been poor um I saw Daniel Levy he said like oh he spent money on players and yeah he has like spent a lot of money on Anton Bale and the Celso and then he sacked the manager that they were bought for. So it's poor recruitment and it, it, Poro almost could be the same sort of thing. It's just a lot of money on a, on a player for one specific manager who has already gone. Um, what about like a Basuma or something? Because I, I think Basuma is going to be absolutely fantastic for Postacoglu. I think he's going to be absolutely perfect. He he will play that um, number six role that sort of anchors the defence incredibly well. Um, I I think we'll see more of what we saw with him at Brighton. He didn't get the freedom under Conte. Postacoglu will give him the freedom to do what he does best. So I think we'll see the best out of Basuma. And I also think, obviously, Richarlison... I've seen he's in a lot of people's like flops of the season. Obviously, one Premier League goal. Um, I don't know how many starts he made, but one Premier League goal for 60 million is, is obviously not good. He had, I think he had like three goals disallowed, even then four. Um, but I think we'll see a better Richarlison next season as well. So I think they're players that will why? be okay. Why do you think? Because he's he played 27 matches, obviously, he didn't start all of them, got three assists and one goal. Why do you think it'll be any different? Is it just this manager? Uh, yeah, I think he'll suit the role better. Um, I think, I mean, I mean, the main problem for Charleston is he was playing um, out of position. Um, I mean, that may be what? the case again next season a little bit. Um, Which position should he be playing? A striker? Yeah. But you can't drink Kane. No, so this is the, the weird thing is that... Um, if you look at the profile of the strikers, the one that probably better suits Postacoglu's style is Richardson. Now, obviously, you're, you're not going to drop Harry Kane, and he has used a sort of false niner um, when he was at Yokohama Marina. So um, he'll be able to get, obviously be able to get Harry Kane to work. Like that's absolutely fine. But I'm just saying, as an as an option, um, having Richardson there is not a bad thing, and I think. Yeah, we'll see. A, I think we'll see an improved for Charleston next year. Um, who, who else? Who else needs to uh, to join him? Who Who are you looking at to sign? Um, centre back obviously going to be the key. key I don't player. think that's realistic whatsoever. Um, I don't see why he'd want to join Tottenham. I don't see why he'd want to leave Man City. Um, but he's obviously not first choice anymore. Um, he does play he's used to playing in a very similar system so it wouldn't be hard for him to adapt he is an incredible centre-back and the fact that he's only a reserve for Man City just sort of speaks volumes of the quality they have Um, my main concern with him though is that he's 29 Um, you think you're you're doing a rebuild if you do a rebuild similar to if if we take the rivals just down the road um, they've taken they've done a four year rebuild to get back to the top. You know, uh, playing for their Leverkusen, and um, he's used to playing on the right or the left. Um, six foot four, extremely physical, quick, has excellent passing ability, and I think he's achievable. Um, so he's my top target, probably. Okay, what makes you think that he'd want to join Tottenham though? Because you haven't got any Champions League. I think they have some Champions League at the moment. I think they're in the Europa League. I think, um, honestly, the pull of the Premier League at the minute is insane. And Premier League clubs... In which case, that's where they'll be going. 
there's that um that's a different that's a different topic i wouldn't be surprised if we solved someone there this summer but i um, did can get interested because she just doubled the price like chelsea have yes. just got away with murder because they just sold everyone over to saudi arabia yeah basically there's Sorry, carry on. Um, so the pool, Premier League. Yeah, so I just think like clubs like I mean clubs like Aston Villa are able to um, attract that. I think they place a bid for Chiesa, right? Like, why would he want to go from Juventus to Aston Villa? I'm not saying it's going to happen, but they're able to offer him wages that you just don't get anywhere else. And Tottenham are in the top bracket for teams. They will offer bigger wages than you'd get at Aston Villa. So there's that. And also a lot of people, I do think, genuinely see it as the, the best league in the world and they want to play in it. They want to be a part of that. So I don't think they look at Spurs and think, oh, they're not in Europe. They're not um, They're not performing well. They're looking at them going, there's potential and I'm going to go and play in the best league in the world. Yeah, you've been in the relegation battle for two seasons running now. You are like an, a rim team, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think especially yeah. like, um, like the the teams that aren't, but what the Man City's and the Man United's, the Chelsea's, they they'll pluck the the ready-made talent. But there's there's those players that which has probably gone against Tottenham in the past. So it's not necessarily saying these players are going to work, but the players that are that look like they couldn't take that next step have obviously got to fall down to where next. I'm not quite good enough for Man City, but I could be. Or, or those top, top teams that are just picking the players that are ready to go. Then who's next? Who's got the best training ground? Who's got the best facilities? It's Tottenham. So this season, I'll prove I'm good. And next season, we'll hopefully be in Europe. If not, somebody else will come and pick me up. Or you turn into a long list of Tottenham players that have not ended up that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's one of the mistakes the Spurs made was moving away from being a selling club. Um, because when you're selling people, like this is where Brock Bryan do really well, obviously, is they they make these fantastic talents or they pick them up elsewhere, they develop them, then they sell them for more money and then they buy new ones. And like Tottenham, they're rebuild the rebuild really or the trajectory to where they are now really sort of began with the sale of Gareth Bale yeah even though the money wasn't spent smartly um it did allow them to pick up Christian Eriksen and then that's obviously that obviously worked out really well and the other thing Spurs didn't they stopped doing I don't really know why was picking up talents from the championship and below a lot of the time they picked up like the best player from um that season and then they'd obviously going to be fantastic and so like Deli Alley was a prime example of that and I, I think because they moved away from that strategy they've missed out on people like Eze and Elise um, who um, are now worth two, three times more than yeah. they would have been if we'd have just picked them up um, so it's that, that sort of strategy it's why um Alex Scott from Bristol City is one of those players that I would really like to see Spurs pick up because he's that, I think he's that sort of next player that could be in that bracket. And he's a Tottenham supporter, so it kind of seems silly not to do it. Yeah. That much. I, I mean, he's, he still is a season away from being a, like a proper Premier League footballer. But if you take that hit now, 25 million, I think, is the asking price for him. If you take that hit now, you develop him next season, especially Tottenham. Got, it's not like he has to play every minute. And then he has another good season, starting lots of games. It, it, like you said, with Eze and Elise, it will be twice that. Yeah, easily. He's, he has the he has the potential and he has the quality. So it, it, it just seems, seems like a no-brainer. But, um, yeah. I understand what you're saying. Or... But with you at the moment... I think you need to take a, a a page out of Arsenal's book and think, right, it's all well and good picking up these players that could be good, but maybe we should pick up a player who's proven to be good, like a Jesus, like a Zinchenko, from a Premier League rival 
maybe somebody who's fallen out of favour but has that quality. Like, and I can't decide whether signing like a Harry Maguire, for example, would be a really good signing or an awful signing. Because I think United, he's cursed at United. He needs to get out of there. But he obviously plays so well for England. We've seen him playing a back four and a back three. Like, could it be worth a punt? Especially how he's price. You're not going to pay anything near eighty million. Just um, the wages with him. Tottenham were linked with him, and I think Harry Maguire is definitely over. He's overhated for the quality is, and if he went to someone like like a Leicester, um, obviously they've gone down. But if he'd gone back to Leicester, say this season. Um, I think it'd have been a very different story. Um, I don't think he suits Postacoglu, though. I don't think he'd suit his system at all, um, mainly because he's just not quick enough. Um, that's just the main. That's the main issue. You need you need defenders that are going to be quick, and he doesn't quite fit that mold. Um, but I don't think he'd be a bad signing for a, a, a midfield um, uh, Premier League, a mid-table Premier League club. Sorry. Um, I think the thing is Tottenham don't have, as, as much as I'd love Tottenham to go out and spend 200 million, just like Arsenal have done the last two windows, it's not realistic. That's like Levy's never going to spend that sort of money. So yeah, there have to be smart signings and they have to be players that have potential because um, otherwise they're just, you're not, we can't afford players of the the quality of like Zinchenko and Jesus just straight up. Um all right, well what about then like another player such as I don't know, maybe not necessarily from a city or United. Maybe Chelsea they're trying to offload a lot of players at the moment. Just wages like Chelsea playing their club players a mental amount of money. Just a... I suppose that's where the players Consciousness comes into it. Um, Tottenham also just don't deal with Chelsea. They just don't. It's just not. Uh, I, I know. I know. We seem to share managers um, all the time at the minute, but players they don't. Um, they they don't transfer between one or another. Yeah, stick to dealing with us with it on the transfer front. <laughs> um, so we'll finish then with a bit of Harry Kane chat. Um, I like I said earlier. I think it's. I don't think that transfer ever happens this summer. Um, it's not worth... You've got a rebuild on your hands as it is. At least have that one player you know. You don't need to touch him. Whatever you do with him, he's going to put the ball in the net. And then let's see what happens next summer. Um, that's another story. But I just can't see anyone going anywhere near um, Levy's valuation. And he's right right to put that number on his head. Um but I just think personally, for me, he's great. And I really hope that he can just nick a Carabao Cup or something. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. What, I just, what is the value? What was that? Sorry, what about? is the valuation? It changes every week. Okay. It's about 100 million. See, I that's, think that's that's roughly... be do that. they've got the money for it. I think get Harry Kane in, he can still, it's an attractive move for him. He gets Champions League, he's way more likely, no offence, to win a trophy. And, um, I mean, 100 million probably wouldn't happen. He'd probably go up to 120, maybe 150 mil. But, if they could get him for 100 mil, I don't know if Tottenham would be stupid not to accept that, especially if he's going to be off next season anyway, for free. So, I did a piece on whether to sell Harry Kane or not. And my ultimate conclusion is that Spurs should actively be trying to sell him. And if that means taking 70 million, 80 million, uh, particularly if you can actually guarantee that he goes to Real Madrid or Bayern Munich, um, then absolutely Away should do that. He's... Pardon? Away from England. Yeah, basically, so to see him play against us in the league would be great. Um, he's also like he's young enough. He's only twenty nine. You know, he's young enough that he could go play three seasons for Real Madrid, come back, 
and then beat Shearer's record. It's not um, it's not that he has to stay in the Premier League now in order to beat it. Like he's gonna beat it. He only needs two seasons. Um, so he could go abroad to win silverware if he wanted to. Um, but I think I just think having the 70, 80 million is more beneficial um for the rebuild than to not have it at all. I sort of weighing it up is do you think having him for one season is worth 70 million? Or do you pay 70 million for probably what 30 goals? Um I'd say it's close. Yeah. And on a personal level, I'll be extremely happy to see him stay. I just think like they should be taking the the PSG approach with Mbappe where they're actively trying to offload him because he's already said he wants to leave and he's only got a year left on his deal. So yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I think I'd read um if he does if he's not gonna sign a new contract, which in fairness he hasn't said he wouldn't do, has he? He looks like no, he, he has to leave, and... but he's not gone. There is there is a there is a part of me that thinks that if Tottenham could win a trophy next year, that maybe just winning that trophy at Tottenham, whether it's just a, a Carabao Cup or if it's an FA Cup, whether he'll just be satisfied with that and winning a trophy with Tottenham will be um, more important to him than going and winning a Champions League with Real Madrid. Um, and so maybe if Tottenham can nick a trophy next year, he'd, he'd commit, especially if he thought that the club were going in the right direction. Um, but there's certainly no guarantee of that. Yeah, uh, I we, he's, we, he's, had, he's had the promise of the club going in the right direction so many times and then it turning around 180 degrees and going in the opposite. So I just, I think he goes next summer. I think he bags goals next season and he, he really helps. I think this season it really helps to just like I said, just not worry about it. He can fix that. He can sort the defence playing out from the back. He can change that midfield. He can maybe, if he can have a look at Richarlison and say, is he going to be my number nine in the future or do I need to go and get my next Harry Kane next summer? But I think I think he's such a good player. I think it's just a, it's too big a risk to lose him uh, if it's an English club as well. I don't think, if, if Man United come calling with, with 100 million, I still, I think he just says, oh no, sorry, I'm, I did mean 150 actually, and just keeps up in it. I can't see him selling him to another English club. No, I, I don't think Daniel Levy wants to go down as the the man that sold Tottenham's best ever player. Yeah. So that's not that's not something he'd ever be able to recover from. And from a PR point of view, um, if Kane decides to move on, he can say, "Well, I offered him a contract. I wanted to keep him. He didn't want to stay. So he can try and make himself not look as bad." Um, yeah. I absolutely hate Daniel Levy. He really bothers me. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm certainly not a fan, but like I said, we're I feel like we're we're definitely yeah, just we're we're stuck with him. Um, it's just there's... the top documentary on Amazon when he was sat there eating lunch with the the players, and there's nothing like wrong with that. But I was just there, like, oh, go away, mate! It's so annoying. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't know when really he's bothered. not. Doesn't know when he's not wanted. Oh, you wouldn't get that with Postacopy. He'll stay away. So, um, but yeah, no, Daniel Levy definitely has his fingers in uh, in all of the pies, and that's that's sort of his problem as well. So, this is like, oh, I've been on holiday with Pochettino. Uh, it was really good fun, but I had to sack him because <laughs> he was doing a rubbish job. Like, shut <laughs> up. <laughs> right then, we'll, we'll we'll finish with that. Thank you. Um, I've really enjoyed this podcast. I hope we've uh, incited the fans of the Premier League and Spurs fans that have, have come along. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, we'll we'll get you back for uh, definitely at some point in the season. We'll see how, see how this is this has turned out if it's gone to plan or not. Um, and we'll definitely be calling you up for your Premier League prediction once again as our uh, Spurs fan. Um, so yeah, um, just plug plug your socials or whatever you want to plug before we go. Um, uh, yeah, if you want to have a Twitter account, that's uh, the handle's at Bearage underscore. Um, that's Bearage with two R's. Or you can go check out my uh, blog, which is the the Ridge Report. Um, you can just find that www.theridgereport.com. So um, yeah, and if you go and subscribe to the blog, 
is free and all of the articles will go straight to your inbox. Lovely. Thank you very much, George, for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, have a lovely weekend and we will speak to you again soon. Goodbye. Cool. Thank you very much for having me. Bye. Hello, it's Luke. Sorry to interrupt the podcast. We had a little bit of a technical hitch here, um, but George goes on to talk about Tapsabar as his preferred centre-back option as a transfer target. He doesn't. We missed the start of that argument because of the technical difficulty and the end of the last one, um, but I thought I'd just mention who he's talking about from the next point on. Um, yeah, sorry about that. Enjoy the rest of the podcast.